Hi, I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. My guest this week is Brian Berger. Brian is the founder and CEO of menswear basics brand, Mac Weldon. With over a decade of success in the digital world, Brian created Mac Weldon in 2012, a men's specialty with a focus on design, performance, and functionality. Mac Weldon has grown to become one of the leaders within the industry and was referred to as the Apple of underwear by the Huffington Post. Prior to founding Mac Weldon, Brian served in several leadership positions within the consumer internet and media companies, including Comcast, WebMD, and Excite at Home. Brian graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from the University of Colorado and continued his education where he received his MBA at Columbia University. Brian lives in New York City with his wife and three sons. Thank you so much, Brian, for being with me today on this podcast on this sunny Friday afternoon. You said you just came inside because the Wi-Fi is not great where you are. How, how is this quarantine going? Are you able to work from, I think you're out in the country outside of New York right now. How's that going? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. We're outside the city. We escaped um, around the 15th of March. Um, like, you know, m- many people um, were just kind of nervous about what it was going to be like in the city. And for us, um, there's kind of an abandoned family house that we were able to get to, which which is great because it's a bit more space. And um, it's, you know, it's been fine, to be honest, uh, from a work perspective. We've been able to uh, really transition into uh, remote working pretty easily. I think that's one of the advantages of being kind of a digital centric company. Yeah, no, I agree. We, our Wi-Fi is up and down here. And then maybe you can share with the audience right before we get started. You, you just said that you, you had to tape a commercial recently, which is now playing on the airwaves. How did you get that taped and out to the world in a remote setting? Well, there's so many things that are crazy about this in terms of like, um, uh, things that would have taken a lot of time and effort and resources to get done in a normal circumstance. You know, we're all sort of hacking our way through this. And, and one of the things that we did very early on was um, we're a pretty big radio advertiser on satellite radio. And uh, so after we significantly reduced our budget, we did want to maintain some level of presence, but the ads that we were in market with just didn't feel sort of relevant or, you know, on tone with where people were at right now. And so um, our team very quickly scrambled along with our agency partner, um, who was fantastic. Um, you know, they sent me a script. Uh, we workshopped it. I went up. They, they told me to go into a closet where there's a lot of, you know, stuff hanging uh, to sort of mute the sound to use my iPhone uh, recorder. Um, and basically, I had my laptop up where they were able to sort of creative direct me. I was speaking um, in one long stream into the microphone of my phone, and they were able to take that file, cut it up, uh, and get uh, what sounds like a production quality ad that was on the ad on the air just a couple of days later. That's um, amazing. Do so you, th- you think you'll tape all commercials going forward from a closet? Um, you know, it wasn't quite as glamorous as being in a sound studio in New York City, but it, I tell you one thing, it was a hell of a lot more convenient. And a lot cheaper. And, and cheaper, and and truthfully, like, we're in the business of testing lots and lots of creative. So that, you know, kind of uh, knowing that we have the ability to produce these things in a much more kind of rapid fire way 
is probably going to be really beneficial to the efficiency of our programs. I love it. Well, you know, I'm all about bringing your human to work. So you clearly brought your human to that commercial. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go go check it out and, and see what I think. Yeah, well, you'll hear it on the radio. Exactly. If you're in your car. All right. So I... You know, I'm very passionate about this idea of bringing your human to work and honoring relationships. And one of the things that I've learned over the many years of doing this work is that honoring relationships is good for business. And when I think about honoring relationships, it's honoring relationships with with others, your colleagues, your the people that work for you, your investors, your board, your customers, your family, your friends, and even honoring that relationship with yourself. So I would love to hear about how you think about your relationships and and the impact that they've had on your success. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's such a such a broad question but a really important one. I mean there's just so many aspects of you know, I think anybody but especially in my case, um, you know, important relationships that have enabled me to, you know, to learn, have the confidence to make certain decisions and then obviously, you know, support um especially when you're doing something like this which requires tons and tons of uh, support from not not just, you know, uh, family, but friends and advisors and mentors and, you know, just, you know, people telling you to keep going when you're, you know, not, you know, really feeling like there's a path. So, so there's just so many of those things. I would say, um, you know, closest, um, obviously, um, my wife, who you know, is, you know, a, a, an extraordinary sounding board for things. Really, she's an ability to sort of get to the heart of the matter and, and really sort of um, help me get to a decision, um, which is really great. Um, my dad, you know, who's always been a mentor, a close mentor of mine, and is an entrepreneur in his own life. My stepbrother started several companies. And so, you know, and is much more kind of closer, um, you know, in, in age to me. And so he and I have had a lot of dialogue uh, around this. And so there's just lots of, of, of examples, um, you know, uh, recent and then, you know, in the past that have really helped, you know, you know, kind of get to this point. Um, and this situation has actually really brought to life um, the importance of relationships. I think there's, um, you know, the impact of this and the impact that this is having on people is, um, is, is, is really, there's no one size fits all situation. And so we found ourselves in situations where we've had to be good partners and we've found ourselves in situations where we've had to ask our partners, uh, to be good partners to us. Um, and, and have, did you, of, did you find that you rose to the occasion for them and they were rising to the occasion for you because you had invested and in those relationships leading up to this time, do you think that had an impact? Yeah, I think it matters. You know, it's weird, you know, crisis and, and just I'd say business in general, you know, there's always the sort of like, look, I've got a fiduciary obligation. So even though I love you, I've got to do what's best for, you know, the business and my stakeholders and my employees. And, you know, so there's a lot of like these objective moments where as much as you want to be, um, you know, cognizant of the relationship and the equity you've built, um, you know, where sometimes you just can't, um, you know, I, and then there have been cases like that here where I'll give you an example. We have product that is um, sort of ready to ship from one of our major suppliers. And um, some of it is, it's actually all pretty seasonal in that, you know, it's colors for the, for, for the immediate moment and it's all delayed and not 
catastrophically delayed, but it's delayed. And so the effect that that's going to have is we're going to get a bunch of stuff that's going to be all piled up and we're not going to be able to sequence it the right way. And as a result, we may be left holding on to inventory that we're not able to sell. And so that's a burden that we believe should be shared across our whole supply chain. Shouldn't just be us that has to take it, warehouse it, and sit on it for a year until we can sell it again. Just that, that, that to us that doesn't seem fair. And, you know, on the other side of it, you get a lot of, well, the relationship and, you know, it's not their fault and all the stuff. And that's all true. But, you know, it's not our fault either. And the truth of the matter is, is it's an ecosystem, right? We right. all, we're all successful when we're all successful, right? If, if, if one part of the, you know, of the, of, of the value chain isn't, isn't, isn't functioning the right way or is suffering, then generally everyone else will suffer. So there's been a lot of that. And there's been situations where I think it's just been pure, like, let's try and find a way that sort of, uh, you know, recognizes um, uh, all of our situation and, and share the pain a bit. Yeah, which I do. It's, it's easier to do and have those difficult conversations when you've built and invested time and energy in, in those relationships. Now, mm-hmm. I have visited you a couple times in the Mack Weldon office in New York City, and you have a very strong culture. It's an in-person culture. Historically, mm-hmm. there were not a ton of people working from home, um, from what I recall. How are you connecting with your employees these days, all of the team members? Um, how, how is that going? Anything that you can share about how you are staying connected? Yeah, there's a couple of things that we've done. I mean, you know, staying connected when everyone's distributed like this is is a real challenge, as you say, especially for a, uh, an in-person culture. There's a couple of things. Um, first is that we've kept up our regular, you know, Thursday night happy hours, which have, you know, varying rates of attendance, but we try and create some level of a theme to drive people to show up. For example, we had a mask decorating competition where people would, would give an award to the person who came with the you know, the coolest mask, um, things like that. Um, we also have maintained all of our regular all hands meetings. Um, those are monthly. So I would argue not frequently enough, but what we're doing in those meetings, in addition to the sort of regularly, regularly scheduled programming is at the end, we're going around literally person to person. And we're just asking, uh, a fun question that gives us exposure into that person's, you know, world. Um, and so, in the last meeting, it was, you know, favorite meal that you had in quarantine, favorite social distancing activity, and what are you watching now? And it was sort of a little, little bit of a rapid fire, like, because, you know, we had to get through 40 or so people. But it was just awesome to hear, um, you know, some of the things that people are doing and, and sort of, you know, get that window into people's world. And it's funny, you have people who are like, I was born for quarantine. This is the greatest. I don't have to socialize. I get to stay in my pajamas all day. And then other people who are obviously just like going nuts and really needing that social interaction. I hope they're staying in their Mack Weldon sweatpants all day. Lots of, lots of Mack Weldon sweats. Yeah, for sure. Lots of sweatshirts. Yeah. Well, I love what you shared because, you know, as you know, I'm writing a new book on rituals and mm-hmm. how rituals give us a sense of psychological safety, of belonging, mm-hmm. a connection to purpose, a connection to each other. And one of the best practices that I'm seeing, which you literally just spoke to, is you know, leaders who are, who are leading in a very strong way right now are both maintaining their old rituals and mm-hmm. creating new ones in, in yeah. this moment. And so yeah. I'm sure that 
for people, you know, whether or not they always opted into the Thursday night happy hour, just this feeling of having it at the same time on the same day, there's this feeling of we're going to be okay. You know, these are my people, this is my team. And this is something that we did before this started. And then saying, what else can we do and creating a new kind of ritual that really lets people get to know each other in a, in a different way. And one of the questions I've been getting recently in in the interviews I've been doing is, you know, what what is this going to look like six months from now, a year from now? And a year from now, hopefully we won't all be coming in from each other's living rooms, but we're not going to unsee what we saw or forget what we heard and, and all the things that you've learned about your employees. Yeah, absolutely not. And quite honestly, there'll be all sorts of new ways of doing things. I mean, we were having this conversation We've had more board meetings in the last two months. We've had, you know, almost two years worth of board meetings in the last two months, right? Because typically you meet once a quarter. And hey, it's a hell of a lot easier and it's way more beneficial for all of us to do these meetings more frequently because you don't have these big, huge reveals. People feel much more plugged into what's going on to the business. The meetings are shorter, so people are more engaged for the time that they're there. And if you're, you know, a private equity investor and you're spending your entire life flying around on planes to go to board meetings, now you can have those meetings sitting in your home office or in your actual office. And you could spend so much more time looking at new opportunities, which is really what they want to be doing, right? Right, right. No, I think I think it's great. What about honoring relationships or connecting with with customers? I mean, you're a tech company, you have a big social media presence. You know, I, before the call, I took a, a look at your Twitter. You know, many people are out there tweeting about wearing sweatpants all day, which which is great. You know, what's been, does anything jump out in terms of your inter- interaction with customers during this time? Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about customers. When this all happened, you know, we, our marketing team, essentially, we all had to really go into, you know, throw out the current playbook and sort of rewrite it so that we can speak to customers in a tone and and, 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 and sort of put forward um, marketing campaigns that did not feel heavy handed or opportunistic or tone deaf. And so we spent a lot of time just kind of reformulating our plan, what products are relevant, what do we want to do for customers, how are we going to um, you know, respond to the community need. Um, and, you know, I, I, we produced a lot of things that I'm very proud of. The first was our, um, you know, COVID-19 campaign where, where we essentially did three things. We um, donated um, several hundred thousand dollars of product. Um, and this is product that, you know, might've been, um, you know, 1.0 versions of product or expired colors or whatever to frontline workers who are essentially living in their jobs. Right. You know, so, so, we contacted many of the New York area hospitals that were, um, you know, expressing a need for these things. Right, and they so were sleeping. We were they to... were sleeping at the hospital or, or at a hotel and, and c- couldn't even go home and get their clothes. Absolutely. So comfortable, you know, relevant stuff for them, you know, to to have when they're feeling awful and you know have spent all day just seeing the horrors of this thing. Uh, the second thing we did was um, we donated a lot of masks. Our supply chain, um, our awesome suppliers all across the world, but but largely, you know, coming from Asia, um, they sent us, you know, PPE masks, you know, N95 masks, 
uh, and other masks that can be used um, in hospitals. And so we donated uh, everything we got, you know, regardless of how, uh, you know, hundreds of units to local area hospitals. And then the third thing we did was we highlighted, you know, we have a long-term partnership with the Good Plus Foundation here in New York. Um, we donate a lot of product through their fatherhood program. They had a crisis, um, uh, crisis um, foundation um, that they launched in response to this, where you can make kind of cash donations that they can actually put out, you know, uh, put to use for critical items for frontline workers. Uh, and so we featured their program uh, as part of this campaign so that our customers could, who were just itching to say, like, how can I help? They could go and donate whatever amount they were comfortable donating through this, through this program. And as a result of that, we saw, not only did we see huge engagement from our customers off of that email, but social media interactions were up over 40%. Um, customer engagement across uh, emails was up, um, you know, uh, high double digit percentages. Um, revenue was very strong because I think customers want to associate and support brands that are doing good. Um, so, so, so that's for us, that's the way that we've treated kind of, you know, trying to build customer equity um, through smart, um, appropriate brand resonant uh, types of initiatives that really show that in addition to being a profit making enterprise, um, we you know, care about the community that we're in and what's going on in the world. Well, I love that because when when I interviewed you and Mac Weldon for Bring Your Human to Work, the chapter that you're in is happens to be the chapter on giving back. And at that time, now mm -hmm. three years ago, maybe even longer, it, your strategy was, you know, you didn't, when you started Mac Weldon, the idea wasn't just to jump in and start giving product away, you know, buy one, give one. I mean, you said to me right. all those years ago, I want to be around you know, right. three years ago, five, you know, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now and be a sustainable business and employ people and, and all of that. And so I termed your, your give back strategy really was a wait and see, and you came up with all these great things. And I think now what you've done is basically the same thing that, that in terms of your reaction to what's going on, these strategies are smart, they're brand appropriate, they're, they're resonant and, and most importantly, extremely impactful not only I would say to the, you know, the people on the front lines, but there was also a, a big impact to your employees. The, the studies mm -hmm. show that there is a correlation, very strong correlation between giving back both as a company, but also individually and how that impacts our isolation and, and loneliness and just feeling, feeling better. So I think while you're helping the world and helping these individual frontline workers, you know, all of your employees are struggling too. And I think they must feel really good about working in a company that's able to make such an impact. Yeah, you have no idea. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The power uh, that this particular generation of employees, I mean, it is so important um, that they work for a company that actually cares about, you know, the world that they're occupying. Um, and you can just see it in their faces and you can see it in the way they collaborate on something like this. And then it's certainly when the results are positive, um, you know, uh, you know, they're really, um, you know, inspired by it. And so that's a huge thing. Um, and, and, and for us, uh, to your point, like it, it wasn't part of our, you know, our, our sort of brand DNA and origin story. Like we're going to start with this specific social responsibility platform. We've just tried to 
weave it in the in, a, in, a, in the most brand resonant way and in ways that feel really authentic and impactful. That's not to say that those who are doing it as part of their you know core brand narrative and whether that's you know Warby Parker or Bombas or whatever, like that that's awesome. I mean, it's working for them and it's very core to who they are and it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, agree. And that's why there were so many different strategies in Bring Your Human to Work. And I, I loved yours because it was a wait and see. And I think for people starting companies, and even if they know that these new generations do want a company that cares about these issues, there's also, you know, some can be some real benefit to waiting and seeing and making sure that that what you do makes sense for the world, but also is good for is good for business. So I think it's, mm -hmm. it's just, it's sort of bringing me back as you began to, yeah. to talk about these different programs that you've been able to do during COVID-19 to our, literally our conversation three years ago. So I yeah. love that. We did something else, you know, just called just, just a, like a little bit of a lighter touch thing um, through social media called Weldon Warriors, where we were, um, you know, encouraging customers to nominate somebody in their, you know, immediate community that was rising to the moment. Um, and then providing some, you know, uh, exposure for that individual. Wow. Any, anyone that, yeah. that jumps out or any, any examples or fun stories around it? I mean, there are so many people doing so many unbelievable things from, you know, uh, guys working for nonprofits in New York, you know, running around delivering, um, you know, essential items to not just, um, you know, communities in need, but also, you know, frontline workers to, you know, um, you know, somebody in the community in the Midwest who was um, delivering meals to all the doctors and nurses in their neighborhood, like, you know, stories like that, where you're just like, you know, awesome, you know, well, and, right. and it goes back to this idea of giving back, you know, it could be donating hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of product to frontline workers, or it could be checking in on an elderly neighbor or calling a relative. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something mm -hmm. that's within all of us that we can do, and it doesn't have to take a lot of time and it doesn't have to take a lot of money. And I think yeah. for everyone listening, just to think about, because it does, you know, the research shows and it's strong that it impacts our isolation and loneliness. And that's what many people are are feeling right now. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So as a final question, before I get into some just a couple lightning round uh, quick ones. Mm -hmm. What would you say you do as a person that makes you feel the most like you? Hmm. That is an interesting question. The most like me. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I guess I would break it into two buckets. Um, on, uh, on a personal front and something that I've been doing a lot, um, during this quarantine is cooking. Um, I always love to cook and, and, and there's a lot of aspects to that. Um, you know, there's the planning, there's the organization, there's the execution, there's the, you know, delivering something that you get to watch people enjoy. There's the like bringing together of a group, whether in this case, our family. Um, and so just reconnecting with that and reminding myself that like, that is really something I love to do. And, and it's actually something a craft that you refine and get better at the more frequently you do it. So I'm, I've been, I've been sort of reconnecting with that and that, that feels really awesome. And then the other thing is, you know, bring it back to the business side. Um, you know, these all hands meetings are typically kick off with a little bit of perspective. Um, I don't really get into the sort of the, you know, the sort of tactical stuff I and, mean, you know, the, the various team leads do that. 
but this has also enabled me to to sort of be a little bit more thoughtful about that and i do um it, it does feel like the type of role that i that i should play as a leader and um and one that i you know almost in this one step removed from the group environment i've, I've been able to be a little bit smarter and more thoughtful about it. And I think that will inform how I approach it when we are all back together. I was just thinking that, like now that you've had the time, because especially in such a fast growing company, it's hard to have the time to to slow down for that kind of a thing. So I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was wondering when I asked that question, if you were going to talk at all, because you are um, a triathlete also. Yeah. And yeah. so have you been able to build in any time for, for exercise? Yeah. This time? Yeah, I've been... Um... Um, I've been working out with my trainer for even that it's like crazy. Like I'm doing zoom workouts with my trainer and, and, and some people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm not crazy. It is, it is awesome. He's able to see everything that I'm doing. He's able to create accountability. You know, we use data to measure the progress anyway. And so it's all virtual in that sense. And so that's been incredible. And having that, you know, you know, twice a week, you know, date with him, but also just the time in between where I'm doing things independently. Those are very important, like kind of grounding rituals to keep going. I remember when this started, I was sort of treating it like a long weekend where it was like, oh, maybe I'll blow off today. You know, it's just the weekend. But, you know, a couple of weeks into it, you're like, oh, I got to get back on my regular schedule. We're going to be here for a while. Um, so that's been awesome. I The reason why I wouldn't, I mean, I do that for me, I guess, is, is really, that, that is a, that is probably the most, uh, you know, it's the most selfish thing that you do, right? Because it, it solely benefits you, obviously. Although I would, I would push back on that. I mean, the, when I started this interview, I said, how do you honor relationships with others and yourself? And that yeah. sounds like it's how you honor that relationship with yourself. And if you're yeah. going to be there for your three boys and for, yeah. for Aaron and for your employees and your investors and for everyone yeah. else and your parents, for everyone else in your life, you, you need that. You need that. Definitely. Definitely. And it is obviously the best form of, you know, way of clearing your head and creating sort of a positive you know, uh, aspects to your day, which is why I was trying to do it in the morning. Yeah. No, it's great. Well, thank you for that. So just a cue, yeah. few lightning round questions and sun's still yeah. out and you can go back out in the sun. Yeah. Um, yeah. all right. So if you think of a time in the day when you're more creative, would you pick midnight or 6am? 6am. It seems to be, as I'm asking people that question, it seems to be an age thing because I'm with you on well, that. And then I interview all these I, younger people that are like, definitely midnight. Well, I'm sighing because I'm not really a morning person, but at the end of the day, I'm, I want to lean back. Yeah, I hear you. Forward. I hear you. All right. Guilty pleasure since you're cooking so much. Sweet or savory? Savory. Favorite song to sing karaoke to? <laughs> um, Tiny Dancer. Elton John. Nice, nice. My son, well, Daniel, who you know, is is uh, yeah. playing a lot of Elton John on the piano right now. Charlie, Charlie and Daniel love the, uh, the Elton John. Um, last show you binged on Netflix. Oh, Narcos. So good. I'm sorry. Wait, I said Narcos, but I meant to say Ozark. The oh, last show okay. I binged oh, right, because, was Ozark, okay. and it was awesome. Oh, right, because the third season just came out. Yes. And yes. the first thing you'll do when you get out of quarantine go for a drink at a hotel bar. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I may, I may have to join you. 
All right. So thank you so much, Brian. This was so interesting. I always love hearing about the business, yeah. you know, happy yeah. that, that you're healthy and safe and that the business is going well. And it sounds like you're really doing some great things for your customers, for the world, for your employees. And Brian has offered for all of our listeners of the Left to Our Own Devices podcast to offer 20% off on anything from Mac Weldon from throughout June and July, perfect time for Father's Day. And so he put together a code called devices. And, um, you know, both my husband and now my son are, you know, huge wearers of Mac Weldon, obsessed with the product. I wish you could make some for my girls, but yeah. I'm excited to to see you. And I can't wait to see you in person one day soon. Absolutely. Thank you. And good luck. I'm so excited about your podcast and I'm sure it's going to be a huge hit. Great. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you for tuning in this week to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly newsletter, text the word HUMAN to 66866, or you can connect with me by email at erica at spaghettiproject.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>